Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Eric Gustafson, he's out of here. Michael Roffel off to a contender in Washington. The trade deadline has passed, and the Flyers are mostly all the same mediocre self. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's episode 73 of Orange and Back Check, and it is a packed one despite the mediocrity. We have Dominic Roussel coming on the show. Talk about his time on the Flyers again, Carter Hart, and of course the trade deadline, what that what that's like for a player. But first, a guy who absolutely hated Dominic Roussel for half a second when he said Toronto might win the cup. And he admitted it himself. Scott Weinhardt. What's going on, brother? Yes, Toronto has a shot with it. I hate to say it. It's the truth. I'm a realist. They do have a shot to win the Stanley Cup, but that's not important right now. What's important right now is my prediction once again last week was right again. Five points. I predicted it. That's a couple weeks in a row now. I've gotten it right. I think it's just the first time in like a month because I've been saying they've been better than they actually and, are. But and of course, here the, we are back at mediocrity. Yeah. And of course, the time that you get your prediction right, where you said that they could still potentially be in it, they're basically out of it at this point. Like just with oh, yeah. how they're playing, like this is over. The Flyers right. are are what they are. We saw that today with the trade deadline and in Michael Roffel being shipped off to to Washington, as I said, and Eric Gustafson, who was one of the would you say he's one of the most disappointing signings, or is he just kind of like, this is what you get, and we thought he could turn a corner and you, he didn't. No, this is what you were going to get. You weren't going to yeah. get anything more out of it. That's why he signed him to a one-year deal. It'd be disappointing if you signed him to a longer-term deal. So that's like um, that's more of a Andrew McDonald. He's more of a disappointment. Uh, you know, yeah. like a Mark Strike. That's more of a disappointment when a guy like that doesn't produce. But um, with with Gustafson, look, he was what he was. He scored a couple goals. He did a couple things. Couldn't defend. He he was as advertised, but. He was shipped off to Montreal for a seventh round pick. And of course the Flyers retained 50% of the cap hit, which I don't understand. <laughs> which is, the, which is like ridiculous. when you hear, when you hear seventh round draft pick, you're like, Oh, okay. You get that off the books. And then I think yeah. it was Pierre Lebrun that I saw first had it. And I don't know if he officially had it first, but that's the first person I saw say it. He said they get a seventh round pick and they're retaining 50% of his, his, uh, salary and i actually burst out laughing and i said f this team like yeah this yeah. is the ultimate like just get him out of here move yep. like we because because yep. I, I think uh chuck fletcher spoke to the media uh after the deadline and he basically said like the resurgence of ghost and how well he's playing he even touched on sam and how sam moran that is and how he's been kind of establishing and coming into his own which is a good sign um yes. 
doesn't mean much to me right now because this team is just a disaster. Um, but when you have that, and I, and I don't think, I think Gustafson's been a healthy scratch since at least the beginning of this month in April. So the writing was kind of on the wall of what he was going to do and what he, what he was for this team. Thankfully it was only a one-year contract. So that, 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 that you get it out and you're done. Sadly, you, you got to pay 50%. You try had to, to plug a hole with Niskanen. That was the attempt. And, you know, what cracks me up is that you get the armchair GMs out there on Twitter today all screaming about how Chuck Fletcher didn't do anything and all that. There was one guy I saw who actually made sense of it all, and it was absolutely right. And it's been, what we've been saying all along is that, you know, people don't understand. It's not like Chuck Fletcher's out there sitting on his hands. You have to understand it takes two to tango. You're not going to overpay for something where you're not going to get some term out of it. So you're not going to pay your, you're going to pay long, a lot of like assets for like a, a lot of picks or a, yeah. a good roster player for a guy you may not be able to resign in the, in the off season if there's term. And then if you have to expose them to Seattle, that's a bigger problem. The biggest trade we saw today, you know, uh, was um, overall was uh, Anthony Mantha getting dealt from Detroit to the Capitals and yep. Steve Eisen fleeced Washington on that deal. If you ask me, they got a yep. first round pick, first this round year, pick. second yep. round pick. Um, they got, um, uh, it's called Jacob Frana and, um, and they got another player as well. I can't remember the name off the top of his head. Well, um, look, uh, Richard Panic. they got Richard Panic as well. Yep. So it, it, that, besides that, you know, you didn't see too much wheeling and dealing so far. A lot of it took three teams because a lot of teams were retaining cap hits here and there. Uh, we saw that in the Dennis Savard deal. We saw that in the, um, I believe the Nick Felino deal. Uh, you know, the teams are retaining salary because that's what they're trying to do with a flat cap to make it all work. And it's um, it, it really hinders teams because they're not going to splurge and get rentals at the deadline. You know, when in the offseason, they've got to protect every asset they can so they don't lose it to Seattle. And then you'll probably start seeing right. more player movement then if, if, if teams are more comfortable with the flat cap. Yeah, and and I, the biggest move was obviously the extension of Scott Lawton, but I, I will get into that in, in a little bit here because I think that was, I think it's pretty split on the reaction in terms of the listener uh, on what they think of it. Um, but first, like this week in general, uh, you, you had three games against Boston. You went two and one against them. Like that's pretty good. You come away with four points out of six against the top contender in Boston, um, which is crazy because this week, other than Boston, you also had. Uh, Buffalo and the Islanders, and you think that you're going to get points easily out of Buffalo, you had it set up, especially because in the Buffalo scenario, it's one of those scenarios where you can sack, you can win in overtime. If you're playing Boston, if you're playing the Islanders, you can't, you don't want to go into overtime against those teams because of how tight knit the, the playoff race is. But to, to come away with five points, as we were talking about, and, and blow the lead, like you had a chance for coming away seven out of eight points. And you completely blow it with with Buffalo on Sunday. Like that was a microcosm of how the season's gone. Oh, yeah. Like they 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 just kind of sat back. It felt, and then as soon as they tied the goal up, uh, uh, tied the game up at three, or excuse, yeah, at three. Like that, that that was it. Like it, it was just a joke. Here's the way you look at this, Bill, and it, it's beyond. It's a micro. You're right. It's a microcosm of the season because the Sabers have ten wins on the season. Yeah. Three of them are against the Flyers. They yeah. only have one win against a playoff team this year. That should speak volumes that the worst team in the league is beating the Flyers. And that's how you know that you're not a good team right now for whatever reason. They had that game, I wouldn't say in hand, but when they blew that lead with no, three I minutes, think they like, had the wheels just came off. No, the, 
they they when the when they blew the lead to tie the game, the wheels came off. They didn't yes. know they lost defensive coverage. They were so scrambled that oh my god, this is happening again. Buffalo did exactly to them what the Flyers did to them a month ago when they came out in that third period strong. Buffalo never backed down. Now they've been playing better since they've had the coaching change and playing a lot harder. But it doesn't yeah. change the fact that they're still the the least skilled team in the league and they didn't have taylor hall and they didn't have jack eichel that speaks volumes of yeah. the amount of talent you're playing with it just seems like to me when it got to a certain point the flyers didn't take them seriously enough and that's a problem is that i think this team has so many mental lapses at points where they only feel motivated when they're from behind they only play well and when they have up on a team like buffalo oh we'll close this game out easily well no you're not you're still playing a team for the national hockey league so um, it just, it's, it's just a complete, complete mess right now. It's mediocrity at its finest. It's not a disaster per se. It's just mediocrity at its finest. Yeah. And, and sadly, what I think the biggest conversation that the listener has had over the last two days, I would say, especially today after the deadline is just, where do you go from here? Because you look at the flyers makeup in player personnel wise, and it's, it's pretty tight knit in terms of, or or I shouldn't say tight knit. It's pretty much what it's been since 2013, 2012 with the core yeah. of Claude Giroux, Jake yeah. Voracek, those guys. Almost and I, th- I think it's come to the head that people have just accepted. This is it. Like this is, this is where you get rid of the Jake Voracek of the world. You stick it out with Claude Giroux for another contract year. And then you make a hard decision on what you do with him whether that's extending him for one or two more years to see what you can get out of him, or you just cut bait and get him out of here because it, it's it's kind of reached a point where I think people can say, for the most part, I think there are, some, there are obviously some haters out there where they'll never truly appreciate what Cla- Claude Giroux was for this franchise, but I think the majority of people will say, I love Claude Giroux. He has given anything and everything he possibly could for this organization but you have to move on for the better good of the franchise. You have to move on. Now the, the other side of that coin is, and I think you might bring this up is just the fact that can you, can you look at Claude Giroux for the say, let's say you extend him through 2024, right? And say, do we have enough draft picks prospects in the pipeline? Carter Hart rebounds to his normal self can we get to that point where Claude Giroux's two years through 2024 are worth it for us to push for a cup run and give him a real chance? I think this conversation we're having is a little bit premature. And, and, here, and here's why. And this is why I'll say this. And I get your point. Let, let's take one thing into perspective first. We talk about Jake. Okay. I've criticized Jake. Some of it rightfully so. A lot of fans aren't big fans of Jake. A lot of people love him. At the end of the day, you have to look at Jake like this. I think the big thing about Jake is his salary. He's making over $8 million. That's a lot of yeah. money for a guy. But he's also putting in 45 to 60 points a year. Where are you replacing that? Now, I know we're talking about Giroux, but here's the other flip side to Giroux. Where's your superstar? I mean, let's look at the, We have to, we, if you're going to look at this as a whole, you can't just look at the on ice product. You got to look at the business perspective. Let's be real. Who are the Flyers going to market as their next Claude Giroux? Sean Couturier is not going to be a marketable guy around the league. Claude Giroux is. He's been that guy. He's been that guy for them a long time. And hold on before you say anything. Yeah. It, the, the key is, too, is you also have production out of Claude as well. So how are you going to replace that? 
And if you're if you give up on Claude Giroux and you move him now, or you look to move him anytime the next season, you're talking a pretty much a full rebuild. We're talking the full handoff of the ball to Couturier, Konechny, Provorov, Hart. Guys are already here, but you're saying, okay, we're moving on. This team, frankly, needs an enema. That's what they need. They they need an enema. That's what exactly you know what an enema is, Bill. You know yeah. this. You know what an enema is? Are you I, sure? Okay. How many times do you think I could say that word? But it's true. <laughs> no, really, they they need they need juice. They they need some sort of shot where they just need to have a major shakeup. Talking a major trade. None of those are going to happen at a deadline. They're going to happen in the off season. They're going to happen yep. after the expansion draft. Might even play a part with the expansion draft. The key is, is that there's going to be a major jolt here somehow because Fletcher said today he's not thinking about a coaching change, which I'll get to in a second as to why I think it's a good idea. Yeah. But you also need to give this team a spark, not so much because of the on-ice product as well, but because you need it for the fan base. You've got to get the fans back into this. If you roster the same team next season, fans aren't going to like that. They need You need a jolt. You need some sort of breath of fresh air, exactly like you did in the Lindros trade and exactly like you did with the with the Richardson Carter deal. You went out and you got Briz, you brought in Wayne Simmons, you brought in Braden Shen. Those were your guys. And you brought in Jake that same offseason. You brought in all those guys. Now, here's the thing. This is you're gonna see some moves like that. Claude's gonna be here for a little while longer. And I also believe this is that they don't want to give up with this because they believe that if you look back at Vigneault's record, his first season with Vancouver, he finished first in the Northwest Division and they lost in the semifinals, the second round against Anaheim. Went on win the cup that year. Yep. 708. They finished fifth. In the Northwest Division. Now you're talking the Sedin twins were there. You're talking Ryan Kessler's yeah. there. You're talking that same crew that went to the conference. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 2011. The following year, did they finish fifth? They finished first. So whatever growing pains that team went through, they had, you're talking the Roberto Luongo and goal. You're talking a very strong Alex Edler on defense. Uh, you know, they had, you had, what's the other guys? I forget his name now, but and I, and they had a good defensive core there. They were a solid team. They went out, they made some changes in 08 09. Wound up being able to get through the, the the Blackhawks a few seasons later and get to the final. Right. Th- there is enough talent on this team to do it. And I, the, the teams have down seasons. Now, COVID's not an excuse, but given the way the division was realigned, it's a tough division, and they're not playing up the expectation. The whole Matt Niskanen was not able to be repaired because teams weren't, weren't willing to give up anything for any time because of cap issues. You have to take all that in perspective. And, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, Instead of saying, hey, let's move on from our captain, say, you know what, we need to get some energy in here, yes, but we also think we have enough here in our core now where we can feel like we can get back to the top, and you have to give this thing kind of one more year, especially with, with Claude. Maybe, but like I, I just come back to we've had this core now with four coaches, five, like three or four coaches if you include Scott Gordon. Like It's no, one of those things no. where I kind of look at it and I'm just saying to myself, We've gone through a general manager, general manager change three times. Holmgren, Hextall, now Chuck Fletcher. We've gone through Peter Laviolette, Craig Berube, Scott Gordon, Dave Hextall, and now Elaine Vigneault. And I'm just like, w- w- the common denominator has become Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek. You can throw JVR in there. Obviously, he had the, the stint in, in, in Tampa, or excuse me, in Toronto, Toronto for a little bit. But like... 
it's all the same. It, it, the common denominator denominator ends up being the same players that we've okay. seen since 2012. So my the thing face is the franchise, though. You're seeing that they face the franchise, yes. Yeah. But how many other players besides Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek are here from Peter Laviolette's tenure and 2020? Right. Uh, right. From Craig Berube. How many from Dave Hackstall? Like, go back and look at Hackstall. Yeah. Probably just Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny. And Ghost. I mean, Carter, yeah, Ghost. The rest of the guys, no, they're not. Philip Myers wasn't playing. Sanheim really wasn't playing at that point yet. You know, maybe Robert Haig would be one of them. But, you you know, you you still have your bottom. Maybe, maybe Scott Lawton. I'll slide him in there. In well, Lawton, yeah, and Raffle because he's been then, here since. Well, Raffle. He's before, gone now. now he's gone. He's yeah. gone. Raffle's right. gone now. Yeah, so like you have those guys who are here. So generally, you you generally have a younger team. Nico Bakubel wasn't here. You don't have guys yeah. like you know like well, JVR wasn't here. Why was he for Laviolette? Wasn't here for Berube. Wasn't here for Hackstall. Wasn't here barely here for Gordon. But you also go back to two years ago when that whole mess happened between Hackstall and Hextall in that whole season. What happened there? The Hextall didn't make the right moves in time when the team was actually kind of ready and they were really just a goaltender away for the most part to be able to make a push. And that's what happens when you pick up a waiver wire as your backup and your right. starting goaltender gets hurt. You get screwed. You're screwed in net. You're built in the back front. It was against his philosophy. And you had to bring in a different coach here because Haxel wasn't going to get a vote of confidence there. So really, really, if you look at it, the first real year with the fresh core was really essentially last year. Cause you really can't count that with since season in there in 18, 19, because it was just a mess of everything going on. So you want to talk about an established team of your core. You want to put together. It was last year. So this year they're kind of slumping. They're not performing up to expectation and they're, I, I, you have to look at Vigneault's past record and say, okay, you know what? He's done this before. He's rebounded teams before. Yeah, Vancouver's a great kind of comparison to where they were back then. You got to give it time. And to put all the blame on Claude Giroux, when he's the only one over this past 10 years who's really done anything to deserve. Right. And that, guy, that is a great counter argument. Like it, you look at Claude Giroux and he's the only guy that has shown up for 82 games every goddamn season and you can't to even, play. And you have to say Jake too, because Jake's had an Ironman streak where Jake's played a lot of games and so, not missed many. And so, so is Provorov. Credit to Jake. Exactly. You have to give credit to some of these guys here for doing this. So it's not on them that yeah. they, the team has been irresponsible and not put the right pieces around them. But you also have to take into consideration that, yes, when you lose a defensive hole like a guy like Matt Niskin, it does cause, you know, impacts down the line. So yeah. at the end of the day, you, you really, as pissed off as you have a right to be, at the end of the day, you I have to chalk it up and say, you know what? It was just a down year. It was a down year. You gotta give it one more shot. You gotta get but the thing is, they still need to get some juice in here because I don't think they have enough fiber. They need a shot in the arm to get the fans energized about this. And I think yep. it's what things because the product feels so stale. And here we go again, a year in the playoffs, and then we miss it. And then we're back in the play. Yeah. You need a shot in the arm um, of that young energy movement like you did in 11-12 to get everybody excited because that's honestly the last time I believe the fan base was truly excited about a team was that 11-12 season. So before we get to Dominic Roussel, those guys that would be that shot in the arm, that could be realistic trade partners, whether – you know what, just take, take, take cost of a trade out. Forget what it might cost for just three draft picks, whatever it may be. Who's the top of the mind, in your opinion, of who would be that shot in the arm to get the fan base juiced back up to say this team's going not all in, but they're they're going to go contenders? 
Is Connor David available? Yeah, right. Yeah, let's call Edmonton <laughs> and see what that's. Leon Dreisaitl? Dreisaitl uh, might be more yeah, worthy. We got, we got Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, any of those guys? No, I mean, like, I'd say this. If the Flyers went out and, and pulled the trade and got a guy like Patrick Line, a guy that people know that he could put the puck in the net, because it's really what they One in Columbus, yeah. Yeah, and he's not having a great year at all. That that could be a fit, but you you – you need you need someone big like that. You need to pull off a big move where it's like, hey, you know what? We're you need to. I think the fans really need it proven to them that they really are fully all in again. Because this isn't the days of where you could just go overspend and you know flip a Mike Comrie for a Tony Amani and get a big name like that in here. You have cap implications. Teams want to keep their players and build around them, and there's a lot less player movement that you need to see. I think the fly. I think people just want to see a big move made. A big big. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you know what? This is balls of the wall. That's a great hockey trade. Not just like, hey, we can sign a guy for $8 million and stick him in our cap for eight years and, you know, get the analytics guys all upset about it. Like the, problem is, the, the problem is that Chuck Fletcher is the guy that would just sign the big contract. Parisi, he did in Buffalo, or excuse me, in Minnesota. Like those contracts, that, that was wasn't that wasn't Chuck Fletcher. That was Parise, and that was that was Suter saying we want to go to Minnesota, and Craig Leopold actually putting up money for that. So it wasn't so much Chuck Fletcher. Those yeah, but guys he was still the, the general money. manager. Right, and I'm not taking away the credit for that, but yes, yes, those are big moves of that. But what happened after that? Did they ever win a Stanley Cup? Well, I don't of course think they ever got to a conference final. No, that's like that's what my concern is, and I think a lot of people, fa- the fan base, is concerned. Like Chuck Fletcher, uh, doesn't he? He's not that strong of a of a of a track record. I disagree with that absolutely. I don't think you can look at a guy's past track record and say off of two signings that where guys were going to get the max contracts no matter what they wanted because they were right before a lockout and you could do anything you wanted before all the rules were going to change that doesn't count i don't think that because minnesota was also a budget team and they had to build through the draft because that's how what kind of owner craig leopold is so um listen here it's not that like they don't have a black check but they have they have spending restrictions as far as the cap i don't i don't think that this would change anything what it comes down to this is that you what are you willing to give up like seriously like people don't take like oh let's go get like let's just trade connect me and then go get a patrick lining okay well patrick lining hasn't done anything this year and connect me in an 82 game season would have close to 60 points you're gonna yeah. trade that for a guy who's only gonna maybe score 30 goals and maybe get 20 assists that's gonna piss a lot of people off saying it didn't work out why did he trade it so it's a catch-22 at the end of the day though the, the smart move is to be patient right now and see how the market develops after the expansion draft and what you have to give up in the expansion draft. Because if you come out of that with a lot more draft picks and teamers are going to be flipping draft picks to, to Seattle to not take players it's like Vegas did, that's going to be a bigger deal down the line because teams will be like, whoa, like we've got to move something around here or we need assets or, you know, like, hey, well, we'll, we'll, take, we'll give you a good player for a first or a really good player for a first round draft pick because we don't have one this year. Yeah. Those the types of things you have to kind of balance and you know to make a panic move right now because you're, you're not making the playoffs it would be really asinine and really irresponsible Fletcher so to take the patient route and say hey look I've got plenty of assets here coming in the offseason let's talk deal let's make a huge impact on this team that's where you're going to see that shot in the arm of young energy coming in and a big hockey trade where it's like whoa they made a big move like that's what fans are waiting for. That's what they want to see. And that's not going to happen to the offseason. But I think if anything happens, it will happen in this offseason. It'll be fun. 
But uh, all right, we spoke to great rebuttal. By the I, way, no, I agree fun. with you. I honestly agree with you. Like at the end of this, I really do agree with you. Like I, I think that what the well, how this ends this this season is a big move leading into next October. You have to. You have no choice. You yeah. have no choice. You're not going to get fans in the seats next season if right. you don't make a big move off this season. And I but have I to think... defensively, but they need a big big move. They need a yeah. They need a big name in here. I'm sorry. They need like a Chris Pronger. They need an Eric Lynn. They need. They've got to pull a big name in here. I'm almost, and this will be my last point. We'll get to Dominic Roussel, but like, I really think there's a better chance that they get a, a, a night in, night out, next seven years, whatever the, the contract's going to be for Ivan Provorov than a true scorer. I think that's going to be, I think that's more likely. I'm not going to complain if they get a true scorer, obviously, but a, a, a second pair uh, partner for Ivan Provorov should be like, if it's not number one, it's 1B. For yeah. for this franchise, because you have to find that that pairing for Ivan Provorov, because you see how bad he's played over these last few games or this season, really, in Ivan Provorov. And again, I'll say it again: I, Justin Braun is one of the best defenders on this team this year. It's and it's not Ivan Provorov. That's effing embarrassing. Like that. That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. So you have to get if the, the, to your point about that big splash trade that shot in the arm. A guy to get a paired up with Ivan Provorov is exactly what you need to get. Listen, I still have that jersey, that number six, that Shea Weber one I almost purchased yeah. in 2012. Oh, yeah. When all that happened. Oh, my God. I would love you know to what? see him here. F it. I Let's get him. Let, uh, yeah, just trade the farm and go get 36-year-old Shea Weber. That's exactly yeah. the type of move the Flyers would do right now. I would be, And honestly, I'd be totally on board with it because it would actually be a good fit. So, um <laughs> I, I don't think Montreal is going to flip them, but still, I you know, I, you're absolutely right. They, they need a defensive move, but they also need a shot in the arm offensively. And I think this offseason, after the expansion draft, you're going to see that. And I, I think that that's where they're going to gear up towards now. Yeah. Well, Dominic Roussel, we spoke with him. We sat down with him. Uh, he was a lot of fun. He pissed you off saying Toronto was going to win the cup, possibly. Gave us a few of those other prospects. Uh but here he is, Dominic Roussel on Orange and Back Chat. And we're going to welcome back a friend of the podcast. We had him back in January. And if you don't remember, it's Dominic Roussel joining us uh, for this edition of Orange and Back Check. Uh, Dominic, uh, thanks for coming back on, sir. And uh, how are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a sunny day here in uh, Montreal and I uh, was on the ice uh, for uh, most of the day uh, coaching little kids and stuff. So, uh, you know, they reopened the rink here a month ago. So that's awesome. Finally- yeah, finally back on the ice. So uh, it's always good. <laughs> now, have you been vaccinated? I, I ask. I, I ask. I ask all our guests now if they've been vaccinated. Are, they, are we at that point for for everyone? Here, it's not uh, available. It's uh, for the younger people. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I'm, it's sixty. I think now they're sixty and over. Uh, get the vaccine. So uh, not yet. My parents are getting it right now. Excellent. Very good. Good. I got I got vaccinated. Uh, I got vaccinated. Uh, my second shot last week, and believe me, I the second day they say about the side effects. It felt like the whole day I was hungover. That's the best way I can explain it. So when you do get it, be careful. I'll say that. So I'll take a day off. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah, exactly. without a doubt, without a doubt. Don, thanks again for coming on and talking with us. You know, we wanted to bring you on, you know, considering that you coach and you have these awesome videos on your Facebook page of, you know, breaking down plays of all across the league with different goaltenders. We, we wanted to talk about uh, Carter Hart a little bit with you because it's it's becoming a hot topic here in Philadelphia. 
And, you know, you look around and see there's issues defensively. There could be issues with Carter. And when you look at him, as my dryer is going off, uh, when you look at him, what do you believe is the biggest issue affecting Carter Hart's game so far this season? Um, Well, one of the issue is not 100% his fault. Uh, You know, when you're a goalie, uh, you know, one of the main goal is to stop that first shot, like that direct shot. Um, but you, to be able to do this, you have to be able to challenge a little bit, come out a little bit more, cut the angles, right? But uh, what's happening is that there's too many passes, uh, passing options. So if there's guys on your sides or behind you, it's really, it's hard to challenge because you know he's just going to pass it back door every time. So, uh, or those passes across all sort of go through the crease on an <clears throat> open guy. So, He's tried. I, I watched him. Um, I think it was three or four games ago that he played. He, he tried to challenge. Like I'm sure, like they worked on it, and he's tried to challenge it. That's exactly what happened. He challenged the shooter. The guy passed the back door, and it's an empty net. So, uh, but as far as a uh, issue on on his play, there's I don't see a main like big issue. It's more little things here and there on certain situations, and it just adds up. Uh, people talk about his glove a little bit. So yeah, if I want to, if I want to say something about that, well, his glove sometimes is it's too much like back here and not enough in front. When your glove is in front, you it cuts the angle with the glove. You can do that with the glove, and uh, it's a lot easier. Your eyes don't move so much because you only have to turn your head a little bit and to see the puck and catch it. If it's behind you, you're turning like this. Uh, you know, it's it's harder to. That's one thing that could be fixed uh, pretty easily. But uh, little things like, you know, I remember when uh, uh, Bernie, Bernie was my goaltending coach in Philly. And uh, my first year, I was, I was a young goalie. I was 21 years old. And that's one of the first things uh, he told me. He said, the short side, you, you got to cover the short side. So that's one thing that sometimes he gets caught. He, he, he leaves that short side open a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, you want to force the player to shoot far side. It's a much harder uh, shot for the shooter to, to go far side and to go short side. So you cover that short side and make sure it doesn't go in. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to put the, the odds in your favor to making more, more of these saves. So, you know, so it's things here and there. Sometimes he's, <clears throat> he's not quite uh, pushing in the right angle. So let's say there's a pass from the right to the left. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you don't want to go in a straight line because it's a longer way to get there. So you want to cut back in your net a little bit to be there because you know most of the shots are still in the middle of the net so you want to make sure you take that middle of the net as soon as you can so it's like moving on different angles on different types of plays like i'm going to try to give you a simple example if if there's a a a pass in the slot and the the goalie's pushing forward to cover that uh, you know take the, the the angles covers as much space as possible so if the pass is in the middle, it's not the same thing as if the pass is across a little bit on an angle. So you have to push in that uh, in that line, right? So it's those little things there, like uh, that needs to be a uh, fixed, but it's nothing major. Mm-hmm. It's really a little bit of working with him, uh, watching the videos and and you know showing the showing uh, Carter like, okay, this is how you should play this play. Every for every situation, guys, there's a solution. That's how you play goal. So if it's a breakaway, you have a plan for that. If it's a pass across, you have a plan for that. So you have to work on these things every day. 
Well, let me ask you this though, because that's actually a really good point. And, um, you know, part of it, because you're it, 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 agreed, I don't see many big parts. I play goalie myself, and I don't see major parts of his game that are really like, oh, wow, this is a big technique flaw. He's got to work on It's little things. And, you know, my question is this, is that do you think it's more of a confidence issue at this point? Because like you said, it's, it's nothing major. So, but he's not playing at the same level he was before. Do you think it's more of a confidence issue or is it also just exaggerated by the Flyers defense that's been porous in front of him? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, if you look at tapes of him, actually not tapes anymore, but at games of him uh, last year, uh, you'll notice one thing that's really obvious to me is that he didn't get beat, beat through his body. He didn't get scored on five-hole or through his arms, things like that. And this year, right from the get-go, you, there's a goal that you know sneaks in there, like under the arm, between the pads. It's the same for Brian Elliott, uh, same for him this year compared to last year. So sometimes it's, one, it's when you want to try too hard. So the guy is shooting the puck and you want to stop it so much that you exaggerate your move with your blocker, your hand, and it opens up. Uh, under the arms and then you get scored but you know if you get scored under the arms it means you were at the right place it went through you so you know try to imagine like a a board you know the goalie would be a board with you know like you you see sometimes when they use that for uh for practice right right. and Mm -hmm. you know this board forces the shooter to shoot in their corners as a goalie this is what you want to do you want to force the guy that have no choice if you're shooting elsewhere then inside post on each uh, top net it's going to hit you so this is the whole system of what goalies should be trying to, to do you know and so getting beat through his body is one thing so it doesn't help that uh, that you know when he makes a save there's a, a rebound or a second rebound and if the D's don't take the rebounds and you get scored more often than uh, than you should on, if you play on a team that's more solid defensively then the confidence maybe. Uh, starts to go down and if you don't win uh, you question yourself sometimes should I change this should I change that but sometimes it's not should I change anything maybe I should do what I was doing before last year what I was doing last year worked so I got to get back to the basics and when you do that then it's like building yourself back up and your confidence gets back uh, to normal and then you start playing better and if you just cut cut a goal every two or three games sometimes it makes a huge difference yeah, and to that point, like a common theme that we've heard with Carter since probably around the time we because we had you on in January when the team the season had just started and the and the team was playing relatively well. Um, ever since then, probably like mid February until now, everyone's seen how disappointing Carter and Brian Elliott. It's not just uh, Carter in this scenario for the Flyers, but. The, the common theme we hear with Carter's criticism is he's felt small in net. He's, I feel like he's, he had that eight day rest uh, leading from eight, the end of the Mar- March uh, calendar games to, to now. And he seems like he's reset himself, but he's still being told you feel small in net. Do you see that? Does he just seem like he's not, as you said earlier about being aggressive because of how, poor the defense has been in terms of covering their own men and and there's the the slots have been open the the circles have been open so these these chances where carter would normally be super aggressive or at least relatively aggressive is making him feel smaller because he's not doing that yeah there's two things one one other one thing that can make you feel smaller as a goalie is if you get a lot of shots from the middle you know if you get shots from the angle Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you are bigger. <laughs> you cover a lot more net. <laughs> right, right. You know, the, the net is six feet wide. So if the shot comes from the middle, it's six feet of net the guy can score. If you shoot from an angle, sometimes it's two and a half, three feet wide. That That's how much the guy's got the, the angle to score. So, you know, I would, if they can reorganize a little bit and cover the middle a little bit better, then it can be, it feel a lot better in net to feel a lot bigger and have more confidence those shots from the middle a lot of shots from the middle against the flyers uh you know 15 12 12 15 feet away those are the hardest shots to stop yeah and uh, on those what you want to do normally is challenge and come out and sometimes a little even a little bit above your uh, your crease to cover the space but like i said earlier if you know there's two guys behind you open you can't even do that you have to try to stop it and have a chance if there's a pass back door you don't want to get scored on Every time there's a, you know, a pass and in the back door, you want to have a chance on every shot. So a little bit of reorganization there could make a huge difference. When the guys come back and back check, you know, I remember Terry Marine Philly was a great coach. I loved him. And they told the guys, when you back check, you back check through the middle. <clears throat> and when you get in the zone, you go in the middle first, and then you read it. If you have to go out, then you go to the, towards the outside, but you start with covering the slot. And then that makes a big difference. But you look small. I mean, you feel small because he has to play deeper. And when you play deeper, you know, like there's a lot of room, like on either side of you there to score. So, and you, and if, if our listeners don't know that you do a lot of, not just for flyers, but all around the NHL, Facebook breakdowns for goalies, or just have a few thoughts and words on it. So if you have not searched Dominic Roussel on Facebook and uh, you'll find it, but one of the first, most recent ones that you posted was a Carter Hart goal where he was, um, basically the victim of a, a poor defensive Ivan Provorov fell on the ice and it kind of opened everything up for the Islanders in that game. Um, but your criticism was, as you said, it's not the big things that are harming Carter. It's the little technical things in this particular case. It was a, um, the scenario where he kind of just let off the short side post a little too early. Um, is that a, how simple of a fix is that? Is that just the coach going up to him and saying, hey, just hug the post up for a half second longer and you're fine? Or is it deeper than that? No, actually, uh, what, you know, what should be done there with that type of play? First of all, you can, if it's a, a guy that's been in the league for a while, you should, you're going to tell him he's going to do it right away. But mm -hmm. if it's a younger goalie, he gets in the league, you know, things are going pretty fast. You know, the play is fast. And then when you're younger, you're not as strong physically, so you're not as fast. You don't have as much power moving around and things like that. So, you know, uh, on this kind of play, what you want to show the video uh, to the goalie and explain exactly what you should do. And then you go on the ice and you do a drill. You work with the goalie, do that, you know, re um, copy that exact play and repeat it. Do it like for half an hour, you have to and fix the problem. I remember Bernie used to do that with me when I was in Hershey, uh, trying to make it to the NHL. He would come down there once in a while and, and he'd say, okay, this is the goal he got scored on yesterday. I don't like, so we're going to work on that. <laughs> Right. And we worked on it for 30, 45 minutes until he was satisfied and until I felt that the problem was solved. Right. So, so problem solved, then you fix the next one, you know, and then you go like this and you make sure that you identify when there's a problem, even if you don't, if you don't get score on a situation, if you made a mistake, fix it the next, fix it the next day. Cause it could, this mistake could happen seven game in the Stanley Cup finals and you lose the game. So every little thing is critical for, for going. You have to work on the ice and do drills and uh, set up the drill exactly the way the, the play happened, except 
Provorov falling on the ice, of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. Take that yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a bit of a problem right there, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dom, you know, one of the things is that, you know, with COVID, it's been a lot less practice time. And I don't think fans are some, some of the fans here are, are seeing the big picture, if you, if you ask me. You know, it's COVID, there's a lot less practice times, a lot more games, a lot more things you have to fix on the fly. You know, they may not see the side of it, but – you know, you, you played in Philadelphia as a young guy, and you probably know what kind of pressure cooker of a city this is on its goaltenders. How did you deal with that as a younger goaltender? And what would you say to Carter Hart now to help him get through this little, um, you know, this little hiccup, it seems like, more like a sophomore slump, so to speak? Yeah, well, one of the first things, uh, I think it was my second year, uh, I struggled a little bit for a while, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was good friends with Pete Peters, uh, who was with the Flyers uh, the year before that, and uh, we talked. I believe it was on the phone, and he said, uh, "He said, Dom, he said, don't read the newspaper, don't, don't watch the news. Uh, you know, try, you know, as long as it's not going well, make sure you're not like, uh, you know, reading the papers in the morning because it might say something and it might hurt. And and he was right because I was reading the papers and sometimes there's things I was reading and it was it was like hurting me and affecting me a little bit." And then you can deal with it uh, better if you feel confident. You just can use that as energy. But when you when it's not going well, it's really hard to get out. And if you start reading a lot of criticism, uh, it makes it harder. So at least for that period of time, stay away from that. And uh, you know what I would tell them is go back to your basics. And you can go back from the year before and watch videos with him or give him. The video and watch watch those three games you play last year that shut out and then you can when you watch yourself play at your best and when with all this confidence it could really like uh, help you to get that feeling back because it's a feeling you know mm -hmm. it starts with the, the the mind yes but you also it's also a feeling that confidence feeling that uh, that you want to have and watching like old games uh, I mean uh, the game from the year before something that you played really well can make a big difference. So I would, I would tell him that again, going back to the basics and watching and thinking about those great games you played and the, getting that mindset because being a goalie is, is all about mindset. When you, when the guy's coming down hundred miles an hour uh, shot and he's skating full speed, uh, you know, and he's the guy's crossing the red lines coming in the zone. If you're not confident, sometimes you can have a thought in your mind. I hope he misses the net, you know, yeah. It, could be, it could be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it could yeah. be that bad. But when you're confident, it's more like just shoot 100 shots at me. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm going to stop them all. Right. So that mindset you want to have every game. And it's hard to keep it up, especially if you're a young goalie. When you're a young go oh, sorry. when you're a young goalie and you're facing a tumultuous season, not just from your own stats, but just the team as a in a whole, like the Flyers are they we were talking right before we started the three of us how the flyers had blown their this lead against buffalo on sunday and it's pretty much like a 10 percent chance that they make the playoffs when what's what is going through carter hart's mind in that scenario where it's just like this team's probably not going to make the playoffs i have to continue to battle because nothing is guaranteed when you're playing for a team that's not playing for the playoffs and there's going to be changes made inevitably especially for a high intensity team like the flyers because they the fans are rabid they want changes they want a uh, consistency and competitiveness and contingency year in and year out and when you're not doing that what what's carter hart's i guess goal 
the, what, for the rest of the season and the off season to sustain success for the Flyers beyond this season that is ultimately, for the lack of a better word, a failure? Yeah, well, we talked about him, you know, him getting his confidence back, but also as a goalie, you want your teammates and your coaching staff to have confidence in, in you. And how do you do that? Well, it starts in practice. You know, if the coach is running a, a two-on-one drill and you're getting two-on-ones, the guy that has the puck, you stop him every time. If he passes it to the other guy, it's supposed to be the defenseman's job, number one job to cut the pass. So if you stop that shot every time, then your defenseman's going to start to trust you that you will take that shooter and stop it so he has himself more confidence and, you, you know, playing the other guy. So it's just one example. And then all of a sudden you build, build you know, your defensemen start trusting you more. They know you're there when you're supposed to be there, you know, and so they can do their job. So, uh, so that's one thing that uh, you should be focusing on and, and making sure that any shot that you should be stopping in practice that he stops, stops it. And the other thing too, that one thing I could say is that um, a little bit more intensity, I would say. You know, if you, if you look at uh, Brian Elliott and the next game, Hart is a net and you look at Hart, there's a difference in the intensity. The way, you know, uh, Brian Elliott, you could see that he's really into it. And Hart, he, it's more like I'm trying to be into it kind of thing. So, uh, so if he puts a little bit more intensity in practice and try to bring it in the games, it's going to bring his game to a level. So even though things are not perfect technically, if you have that intensity, sometimes you'll make those saves, even if you're not, if you're out of position or if you're not in the right spot, or if you make a mistake, but that intensity will bring your, your level up. And, uh, you know, and also, uh, you know, that your teammates and your coaching staff are, are going to have more confidence in, in you if you put the work and you have that intensity. Tom, let me ask you this. You've been in the locker room of an NHL team. You know, tomorrow's coming up on the trade deadline. Probably a little bit different this year with COVID, but when you were a player in the NHL, how much does the trade deadline actually affect the locker room? Uh, You know, I know there's there's always rumors and things that are getting out there, and I know players are told don't look at these and and don't look at the media. But really, if how much really does it affect the mood of a locker room, and how much can it affect the play on the ice? Um. You know, uh, I would say that uh, usually, you know, a professional athlete will try, um, you know, you know, you know that there's a rumor that you maybe you'll get traded. You know that. But when you go on the ice, you should forget about everything right. else than playing family problems, your kids at school, whatever the problem is, you, you want to block that and go on the ice, and, you know, to play at your best. So that's one thing that I would say 95% of the NHL players do. There's always like a guy that gets more, they're a little bit more insecure and they'll talk to the other guys, you know, did you hear the rumor? And, uh, uh, you know, and there's a lot of trades and then guys get a little scared or a guy wants to buy a house for his family and he's like, well, maybe I shouldn't buy a house for my family. Maybe I should stay in the apartment, uh, you know, until I know what's going on. So, but then you go on the ice and, and you perform, but there's always guys that are a little bit more uh, concerned. Uh, I remember one, one season, I can't remember if it was, I think it was 93 or, or something like that. And uh, a lot of guys got traded that season. And, uh, and I remember me and Rob Brendamore at some point, we were almost the only two guys left <laughs> from the couple years before. Yeah, you know, they made a change, like uh, 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 they changed their coach building, like they made a lot right. of changes and then right. these, they traded guys. So me and Rob, me and Rod were, uh, 
we're like, we're like, okay, we're the only ones. So we're not buying a house. We're not buying a house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're like two years. We didn't buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I, 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 our old office building where I work, we used to be an old city and I, that's where a lot of the flyers today live. Shane got, or yeah, Shane Gossespierre, Jake Voracek. Those guys just live in the apartments in old city and then just go across the bridge into where they practice in Voorhees. That's, that's just the mantra because it's so unknown, especially again for Philadelphia. Things can change on a dime just like that. And then all of a sudden you're in playing in Nashville or back up in Canada, wherever it may be. That yeah, is yeah, kind exactly. of the, the game of the, the, what comes with the game of the, of the, of the league. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, those are, are things that, uh, you know, sometimes people don't, don't, don't think about, but uh, uh, you know, getting traded is, is could be a complicated thing. You know, if your kids mm-hmm. go to school, yeah. Uh, if you just bought a house and then you get traded, I remember Eve Racine, if you guys remember him, he had three houses yeah. in three different cities. Right. He got traded, he bought a house and then he gets traded. <laughs> so we have to deal with like selling the house or renting him or whatever, uh, you know, registering the kids at school and the moving, uh, the poor wife has to do like that, <laughs> yeah. you know, take care of all the moving and stuff and things like that. But or. Or that one time I got traded to Edmonton. I was, I think it was three months in a hotel. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know if they were going to resign me. It, it was a trade for, to finish the season. So mm-hmm. and family stayed in Anaheim. And uh, so three months, you know, we're playing hockey, but uh, people are going to say, well, I make a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. But uh, there's other things around that uh, you try to block to perform. Yeah. So uh, hopefully there's nothing of any of this guy for, for heart that uh, brings this uh, focus down. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything, he needs to block it and just like uh, get back and focusing on 100% on the game. Yeah, and I think sometimes people forget that, you know, you're human beings. You're not just professional athletes. You're human beings. You have things going on in your life. And I think sometimes people don't realize that guys can have things going on in their own, in their own lives as well. Um, one more goalie-related question for you. Who is the best in your mind? the best goalie technically, like not stats wise, but when you watch them play, their everything is sound, their positioning, their technique, the way they, the way they anticipate plays. Who is the, who's the best right now in your view? Uh, Vasilevsky in Tampa. Um, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he's the best in the world right now. I mean, a lot of people wow. say it's Gary Price, but uh, uh, Gary Price doesn't put everything together all the time, mm-hmm. you know, as far as uh, technique, strategy, whatever. But Vasilevsky is, uh, he doesn't give up any back goals, very rarely. He makes huge saves. Uh, his positioning is great. His movement is incredible. Uh, he covers a lot of net. He's always focused. He's always intense. He has all the qualities. Like if I would start the playoffs right now, and I would, that would be my guy, you know, definitely. So he's, uh, he's right there, I mean, uh, on the, in the top. I mean, really, really good goalie. Uh, Ellabuck in Winnipeg is uh, is playing a lot better now. In the beginning of the season, not not so much, but he he worked on his game a little bit. Uh, interesting. Uh, yesterday in his game, he started to make stand up saves. I was surprised. You know, guys are starting. You know, the stats show showed that seventy percent of the shots are low, but this this stats is, is getting old a little bit. You know, it's from uh, years years ago. So I it was funny because I was thinking coaching my my goalies this morning that you know there's more high shots so maybe I should change something maybe a little bit more like stand-up saves on long shots and stuff like that and then I watched uh uh, Hellebach and he and he did that on like five or six shots just stood up and hit him him here 
And I'm like, <laughs> man, maybe I got something here you should think about here. You know, you know the display guys, the guys on a really bad angle. I, if, if you watch a lot of NHL games, really, really bad angle. And a guy shoots like over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. This was considered mm-hmm. a, 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 <laughs> a horror when I played. If you get, got scored from that angle. Right. <laughs> but there's a lot of goals that are scored like this. So why mm-hmm. not maybe try to change it up and maybe step yeah. up on that? Yeah. Stand up style it, might be coming back. Maybe yeah. might be making its way back into the, the, the you know, not just the, the, the old butterfly anymore and the blocking style, but yeah, stand up, mix them back in. That'd be a great thing to see. Maybe bring back more two pad stacks, which are always fun. There's there's a bit of that now to this year. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I've seen guys do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the, a lot of times now you could see that the goalie makes a save and the guy that gets the rebound, he used to shoot right away. Mm-hmm. But now he gets the rebound. He tries to find an open guy with an open net. That happens a lot. You don't have time to do a butterfly slide. So guys are stacking the pads here and there. It's funny, but maybe you got something there too. <laughs> Keep the puck oh. out of the net. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talked about Tampa. You talked a little bit about Winnipeg. I mean, is Tampa, is right now because of Vasilevsky's play, do you think he they're going to be the end all, be lifting up the cup again and the end of the season, whenever that is, God given that COVID just goes easy on the NHL and we just have a smooth playoff or is there a, is there a sleeper that you think is going to win the cup this year, potentially? You know, uh, I think, uh, I think Tampa is the first contender, but uh, Colorado is, is dangerous. Colorado is dangerous. Gru Bauer is playing extremely well. Uh, He's playing like hard play last year. If you look at the way he's playing Uh, and uh, they got the, they got their defense is pretty decent. Like they're playing pretty decent defense. They can score goals. The goalies uh, on his game, they're going to be dangerous. Uh, Toronto, if Campbell keeps, uh, keeps the way, you know, playing the way he's playing with the skills that they got up front, uh, it might be their year. The Leafs might be the year. (laughs) Let me tell you (laughs) how much that hurts Scott to hear. Scott, Scott despises the maple leaves. For you to say that on this podcast, that I just knew. I just knew one of you, one of you guys would not. Yeah, I know, I know. Freddie Anderson gets hurt, and then Jack Campbell just comes in and just steals the show. I mean, you know, they Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. They're so good. It's like it's almost like a jealousy. Like, why is Toronto this good now? And the Flyers aren't part of it. Me and that, but. I mean, it, it, Toronto, they've always had that rivalry with the Flyers. They've always had that, you know, inner thing with, oh, anytime they play Toronto, it's always a big game. And But at Toronto, even though they have, they're a little bit, if you ask me, they're a little bit still a little lackluster defensively. They play wide open. They, I just feel like they can outscore any team. So I think they do have a chance. I think you're absolutely right, especially if Jack Campbell still plays the way he does. Yeah, you know, if, if Tampa faces a – faces them at any point yeah uh, i would give the edge to the lightning because of their de- defense because mm-hmm. they can score i mean they can score oh, yeah. goals no right. problem i mean these guys have been uh, from everywhere they got skills they got uh, they, they're passing the puck amazing they got a bunch of guys that can one time the puck stamco scores in the playoffs he's going to be on his game i'm telling you he's going to be ready <laughs> We'll have to have you back for the playoffs because, uh, as we said earlier, the Flyers are probably not going to make the playoffs. So we're going to do a wide range of playoff coverage. So we'd love to have you come back and we'll talk playoffs and who we think is the hot team that's digging down that's not really on everyone's radar. We'd love to have you back and get you previewing the playoffs maybe if, if, you, if you would be up for that. For sure. I'll be happy, guys. Yeah, it's always awesome. fun. 
Awesome. Dom, thank you so much again for coming on the Orange Backcheck podcast. If you haven't seen again, check out his videos where he breaks down. He's breaking down everyone from the NHL. Carter Hart, one of the latest uh, on his Facebook page. Check him out. Awesome on Twitter. You can uh, all of that link is in our description below. Again, Dom, thank you for coming on and uh, hope to have you on again soon. And be safe, everybody. Bye. Thanks, as always, to Dominic Roussel. That was that was uh, that was fun. Like how how much did it hurt when he said Toronto? Um, it, 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 it pierced a little bit in my soul. <laughs> not going to lie. I was a very big fan of Dominic Roussel. Now I'm actually, I'm still a really big fan, but, uh, uh honestly, no, he's, he's right though. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that what he was saying was right. Especially about Carter Hart. You know, the fact that I think it's cool just from my perspective of seeing a goaltending style change again, uh, you know, like maybe guys are standing up a little bit more. Like we was talking about with Connor Hellebuck and, and, and more and, instead of the shots going high, because he's right. Shots are going high. Guys are now trained to go top shelf. I rarely see guys shoot down low. If they have a second to aim for it, they're going corner. So yeah. Hey man, he might be onto something. He might be absolutely right about that. Yeah. I'm curious where the, the, what goalies are going to be in the next, even just three years let alone two yeah. years. Like we talked about how equipment might be getting smaller to create more goalie chances or excuse me, goal chances for the NHL, like for the league. So I'm curious if that's going to be one of those things. I'm glad you bring up equipment just real quick to touch on that because people don't realize like how heavy the equipment used to be even 10 years ago. I mean, there right. were, they were, they were pretty, they could weigh you down. I mean, I remember back pre lockout, they were like bricks on your legs. Now it's like, walking around with nothing they're so light and they're so mobile and now the goalies are so at and more flexible and and mobile and faster than it used to be that's why you like see haven't seen the scoring go up because the smaller the equipment gets that doesn't mean the guys are actually getting faster so right. it, it doesn't really help to shrink the equipment because guys just compensate with speed right. uh, i you know i i think that with the way the gear technology is nowadays people don't realize how much innovation goes into goaltending equipment and it's ridiculous. Like <laughs> I could go into detail, but nobody's going to care, but it's, it, it gives goalies a big advantage if you're using the right stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap uh, the biggest move that the flyers did today for the trade deadline didn't involve the trades. Obviously you saw Michael Raffle get shipped away. You saw Eric Gustafson get shipped away. Um, during the press conference, Chuck Fletcher spoke about the future of just for a moment. He spoke on the future of Scott Lawton. Cause he said he woke up today, not knowing if they were going to trade him or sign him. Ultimately, they obviously traded him, or excuse me, they signed him to a five-year extension. Um, I think the AAV, the the cap, it was only three million dollars, so a fifteen million dollar deal, which is like it's a team-friendly deal. I, I think you got in a in a Twitter exchange on our Twitter account, which you can go and see on Orange at Orange and Backcheck. I come back on the side with with those with the the Twitter account you were going with. Andy, you signed a you signed a third line center to five years. When I'm at the point with this team where there's no one on this team right now that deserves a five year extension. Maybe Carter Hart, maybe or maybe maybe Ivan Provorov, but like anyone else, I cannot see myself. Look, but you know what I mean. Like it doesn't. It, it, I I understand, but like the the idea of a five year extension for a struggling team to keep a guy for that long who's on and on this team is mind boggling to me. Like five years is a long time and you're guaranteed to protect them in the expansion draft this off season. Bill, I'd like to ask you a question. Okay. Who was your favorite player last year? Carter Hart. No. Oh, 
their favorite yeah. player. Yeah, Tyler yeah, yeah. Pitlick. Tyler Pitlick, right. What happened to Tyler Pitlick? He's gone. And why is he gone? He wanted more money. Bingo. And what happened to the Flyers' bottom six this year, Bill? Well, collapsed under, under itself. There you go. Okay, so you're, you're starting but five to- years? You're strapping yourself to Scott Lawton for five years. You're telling me that Scott Lawton is worth three million per year. That's nothing at nothing for a guy who can play the center and anchor your bottom six. He can also slide into the top six and play center or the wing, either on the, on the second line. I mean, he's not a top line guy, but you didn't pay him like a top line guy. You fill him in on a guy who's going to anchor your third line because Nolan Patrick still hasn't been able to do it, even with those matchups. So I think his future is more in question than anything else. You have Scott Lawton who can play all three positions. He can play center and he can play the wing, not just on the bottom six, but also on the top six as a fill-in if you need him. That is extreme versatility that you can't put a number on. And you talk about the importance of a guy like Tyler Pitt, like how much energy he has. Scott Lawton's a very similar player. He just does it more subtly in a sense where he's very responsible defensively, blocks a lot of shots or a good amount of them anyway. And also, he's also a good guy you can not essentially build around, but he's a guy on your bottom six who could be a guy where you can kind of gr- help you grind games out when needed to. When yeah. Sean Kateri is getting too many minutes, you need a guy that lacks off him a little bit, then there you go. You have a defensive guy in Scott Lawton. Look, he had a lot of scoring potential when he was in junior, and he scored a lot of goals. Um, but when he got to the NHL, he's just not that same type of player. He's more of a guy who was going to basically – he'll skip points probably about maybe 20, 25, 30 points a year. For three million, you know, I mean, this is what drives me nuts about the analytic guys. Like, I respect their opinion. That's fine. You want to look at hard numbers. That's fine. But you don't see the value that a guy can bring to a locker room. You don't see the value that a guy can bring up from having versatility and playing all those different positions, knowing that his game isn't about putting up points, but keeping other teams from getting them. So, you know, you don't pay defensemen lots of money to score goals. I mean, it's a it's a bonus if you do, if you have an Eric Carlson or a John Carlson or like a Tory Krug type player. You know, you you it's a bonus if that. But that's not the game of of a guy for, you know, someone who need to have a shutdown center when you can't play Couturier 60 minutes a game. Right. And Kevin Hayes, even though that he's touted as being a good defensive playing guy, when he's not playing that great, you need to get the guy behind that. Your fourth line, you can kind of mix around with that. But you need a guy you can anchor around because, as we talked about last year, your bottom six is the most extreme importance when it comes to be playoff time. Now you have a guy where you don't have to worry about a center position or in your bottom pairings for the next five years which is very good when it comes to strategy so i don't see a problem with it and considering that you could slide him anywhere in the lineup to fill a role that's a lot of versatility that you could have three million a year it's not that problem and the best thing is if you wind up needing to move him any of that time down the line three million a lot of teams can absorb that cap hit so i don't see why people are complaining about it i don't get it yeah i i think it's just going back to your you're rewarding a guy that is part of a toxic team right now. Who in, says it's toxic? It, you just blew a goal, a terrible game to Buffalo, the worst but it team in the mean league. It's toxic. You just, 
But yes, it does. It, it can does easily imply. It means yes, it does. Playing well means they stink. But that That's could easily do. mean it's toxic if if you have a coach. And we didn't touch on this. That there are not reports, but other people I've read saying that that the the calling out. And I think you and I fall on the same side of this at the end of the day. But Av's calling out of players in the public media is starting to grind on some players. And at the end of it, I come down to so what? I don't care. Suck it up. You're yeah, professional. Like you're Suck it up. If you're not doing but, your job well does your boss tell you you're doing well no your boss is gonna right. tell you're not doing your job well same but, concept but here's the thing if in fact it is not it is grinding on these veteran players and we're not i'm not going to speculate on who it's grinding on like that's just not fair to just try and lump a player in but let's go under that let's go under the assumption that it is grinding on those players that can turn a locker room toxic and you get results like you saw on sunday afternoon against buffalo at home where you're holding on to a lead, you blow it. And then all of a sudden, 30 seconds later, you're down one. And then you let up a bad empty goal and you're losing by two to the worst team in the NHL, as you said, or have given them three of their 11 wins or 10 wins. Okay. It's crazy to me. It doesn't mean a locker room is toxic. It dude. absolutely could be a locker room is toxic. They're not a good hockey team right now. And that's why I went on that tangent okay, 10 minutes ago. They're not about a good hockey team. team. If they're not a good hockey team, why are we rewarding a guy that's part of that bad hockey because team? Because it doesn't mean a five year extension. I don't care that bad. it's a $3 million deal. I just care that he's here for five freaking years. Why so are we what? rewarding? You can find an anchor for a bottom six at any point. You're just okay. So this is your concept, then. So you're going all armchair GM, and you just want to blow up the whole team and trade everybody never, away nope, for the next nope, day. Everybody nope. who's got contracts right now, you know, screw it. They all suck. Let's throw them all away. No, Let's trade away but for you nothing. also, but a guy that has an ex- picks. but a guy that has a, 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 an expiring contract who you literally admitted you woke up today saying, "Am I going to trade you?" You, Chuck Fletcher, r- literally said, "said I woke up today." unsure if we were going to trade Scott Lawton or sign him. And then you ultimately land on five years. Good for this Scott Lawton agent. I want him in my corner because he will lock me up to whatever job I have down the line for at least five years. I'm not disrespecting Scott Lawton. This is more of indictment on Chuck Fletcher to say, yes, five years, no matter what the AAV is, I don't care about the money. It's the five-year concept that you just extended a guy that, yes, will he anchor your second or bottom six? Sure. But I feel like that's a dime a dozen in today's NHL. Uh, well, then look what happened with Tyler Pillar because obviously Nick Kubel Kou- hasn't filled in that role. Okay, you want to you make that argument? Michael Raffle was here for eight years. Michael freaking Raffle was yes. here for eight years. He signed. He's been here eight years. So before you go off saying, oh, my God, we got to deal with five, you just went through Michael Raffle for eight. And Michael Raffle, who was experimenting on the, on the top line and finally got himself into a checking role where he made himself most valuable. Now, guess what? You have a guy with term now. You don't have to worry about that for the next five or six seasons. And a guy who can slide up in your role if you wind up getting rid of Kevin Hayes and a guy who's filling because someone like Nolan Patrick hasn't stepped up to the plate yet. So when you come down to it, sometimes you need that little bit of versatility to have a guy anytime in your lineup. And it's not bad to have a guy actually sit around here for your entire career and actually be here in one city for an entire career because, hey, look, they drafted him, you developed him. And the good thing is, is that, you know, the AAV, if you do have to wind up trading him at some point, 
the money works with any team. So don't look at the term because any team who would be willing to pick that out was going to wind up paying him on the market that anyway. So it does not matter. You're not going to sign a guy like three years of Scott Lauren. He would have gone for a five-year deal. Okay. Minimum. But again, probably more money. We're dealing again in a hypothetical that we're going to trade him in three years or two years, whatever that if may be. If you do, it works. But it does. The, the, the fact Look what you is did to Max you Talbot. signed Max him Talbot, for you signed five like a six years. years. You signed Max Talbot. The Flyers signed Max Talbot to like a seven-year deal, like worth $12 million, and they got You thought you were a contender later. then. But you, you still thought signed you were Max a contender Talbot. then. There is a you different – Max Talbot to like a seven-year deal. Are you kidding I me? Get that. Max freaking but Talbot. But I'm telling you, the difference in a signing of a contract that long for Max Talbot to Scott Lawton today is the fact that you're nowhere close to the Stanley Cup They're right the now. same player. It doesn't matter if you're close or not. Some guys you need no, to keep on your roster to build around them. trying to – oh, my God. This doesn't – it does not matter. It doesn't. It totally does matter. It totally does matter. I could find a Scott Lawton in two years better than him. I guarantee oh, yeah? who? someone will emerge. Who? who could you find no, for no, next no, season? No, I didn't say who. I said, who should you find for next season? Who's going to take that role next season? Nolan Patrick? Maybe. Maybe. But Nolan you Patrick's have no idea. The worst plus minus on the team. I honestly, to be realistic, Nolan Patrick might be part of that that shot in the arm trade that we're talking about earlier. But exactly. Like, so don't say maybe. So he's got minus eighteen on the season. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, Scott Lawton's leading the team at a plus seven. So, so you give him a five year deal. Like guys that? Congratulations, you're plus seven. Here's a five year extension. He's got seventeen Tell points me, in thirty eight games. You're That's on what Zoom there right against now. the other guys. You're on Zoom right now. Look at me in the face and say a guy that is plus seven deserves a five year contract. I didn't with say because he's a plus seven, he deserves it. He's leading the team at it right now. He's got more and points. That's Let's terrible. see, Nolan Patrick. Philip Meyer, he's got, right. oh my God, terrible. We, he's we got go. 17 I, I points I need to cool off. I need to wrap this podcast up. I'm so <laughs> tired of this. Oh my God, you piss me off sometimes. And it, it, uh, I love you, but you, oh, dude. Sometimes this... you need to look at value other than what their points show. So yes, care. he can. I could care less about Scott Lawton. That is my ultimate well, point. That's you. And that's why you're an armchair GM. And that's why you're like all these other weirdos on Twitter, all flipping out of the fact that the guy signed a five-year deal. That's what he would have gotten on the market anyway, or another team or probably do him. Like, look back. No, you would look back probably down the line and be like, why do we not keep him? He's one of those guys. All right. Washington, Pittsburgh, Washington Islanders. What's your prediction for this week? I think they're going to go. Oh, zero and four. Like it's I'll over. have a little more faith in that. No, it's over. Uh, well, Maybe they'll we, win against. We already Pittsburgh. know that it's over. It's Maybe over. they'll win it's against over. Pittsburgh. I, they're like, all right. I'll I go think, three. I'll I go three points. I'll go. Three I, points. I would say three points this week. I would say, look, it, they, there's this is a team where mediocrity is is enshrined above anything else. It seems so. Yep. A mediocre team does exactly this. They beat a good team like the Capitals. They can't beat a team like Pittsburgh. And then they eke out a point against the Capitals again. So that's what wind up happening. They play really hard one night. They barely show up the next night. And then they fight hard enough to get a point out of it and ultimately lose in a shootout, which should become the Flyers brand. Uh, the Flyers, it should be the Philadelphia Flyers. Our slogan is get us to a shootout. That's what it yeah. comes down to. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and to be real, like it is a tough schedule this week. And we know that their playoff chances are pretty much nil. They're pretty, they're done at this point. 
So, but the if they can eke out, if, look, if they eke out six points this week, you're, I, I would be really surprised. But I would say three is par for the course because they went five out of ten last week and yeah. picked up five out of ten. Just keep with Why the mediocrity. Three out of six? Mediocrity is what it is. What it is. There's enough of blueprint here to know exactly what they're going to do, and that's exactly what's going to wind up happening. I don't even know who's the who's the guy that's supposed to be the top pick this year. Like try and get lottery ping pong balls or whatever they determine the draft this year. Like that's it's all like I just think tank. Change the, that up after that last year disaster with that because with Alex Lafreniere is still like, yeah. is, uh, garbage. If he asks me, I, I'm telling you, he's gonna be he's gonna bust, and people are gonna be like, oh my god, he'll put up points with Capo Caco in a couple of years. But uh, I I just think his skating he skates through mud, so you know, I, I, right. I, I, it really doesn't really matter. No. Well, let's see. They're a lottery team this year, the Flyers. Let's see how they do. Thank you so much for listening. As always, this is Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much to Dominic Roussel again showing up. Hopefully he comes back, as we said, in the, uh, at the end of that podcast, or to, as we said, at the end of the interview. Uh, hopefully he gives, joins us for a nice playoff preview. We'll talk about who we like realistically in that at that time. Uh, th- again, thank you so much for listening. His description and Facebook is in our description below. Same with ours. Just follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, all that good stuff. If you have a question for us, at orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We'll answer it on the on the episode, on the pod, and give you a shout-out. Rate and review us. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, Deezer, all that good stuff. He's Scott. I'm Bill. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Scott Lawton, great deal. <laughs>